and from this these two purushartha the human ends come about artha and kama artha is the purushartha the human end for seeking security and kama is again the human end seeking happiness <coughs> so i seek security from the objects of the world because i look upon them as capable of providing me security and that's how it may be my wealth it may be my house it may be my uh, power position recognition influence all of these are looked upon as providing me a sense of security and therefore there is a natural desire for these things not only a natural desire but then a need for all of this there is a need for security on my part because i feel insecure and i look upon these objects as providing is as a source of security therefore the need for security becomes need for these objects <coughs> and there is a need for wealth need for power need for recognition need for control need for uh, recognition name fame whatever and there is also a need for gratification happiness is gratification there is a need for gratification and then i look upon again the objects as the source of gratification therefore so objects of the senses shabda sparsha rupa rasagandha the sound the taste touch the color form smell taste all of these become the objects of pleasure meaning so source of enjoyment source of happiness so basically it is this relationship that i have is called raga this relationship that i have with objects when i look upon them as providing me happiness and security that very perception is called raga let us say which perception arises from lack of vivek or lack of discrimination lack of knowledge about my own self as well as a false perception of myself in as much as i look upon myself as an unhappy person as an insecure person as an inadequate person and this unhappiness insecurity inadequacy i cannot accept therefore a natural desire for happiness security adequacy and thus on one hand i superimpose upon myself the idea of unhappiness and insecurity and because of that i superimpose upon the world or the objects of the world the idea of happiness and security see how the idea that something can make me happy or something can provide me a sense of security how did that come first of all when i look upon myself as unhappy and insecure so first is projection upon myself arising from ignorance of self that i am a needy person i am in need of happiness i am in need of somebody to comfort me i am in need of somebody to approve of me i am in need of somebody to accept me i am in need of somebody to make me happy i am in need of somebody to make me feel secure this i become a needy person and then i superimpose the security happiness etc upon the people upon the objects upon situations and that's how i become so i become a desirer there is a desire for those objects <coughs> so this this is called raga a kind of relationship that i have when i look upon a thing or a being as providing me as a security or happiness that very perception of the object brings about what we call raga or attachment if the perception changes the raga will go away the attachment will go away if the perception changes this is called shobhana adhyasa in vedanta they call it shobhana adhyasa adhyasa means superimposition shobhana means so uh, 
imposing or superimposing some kind of a beauty in them, you know, so which is not there. And so a subjective viewpoint or a subjective perception of the sense objects brings about raga and an objective perception brings about vairagya. So vairagya, there is a raga. Raga means attachment. What you may call binding attachment. It's one thing there are needs. Of course, God has given me a body and therefore there are needs. There is hunger, thirst, heat, cold, these basic needs are there. And if I depend upon the world for fulfilling those needs, it is quite alright. Because God has created the world and these various objects, each one having a certain role to play, each one having a certain usefulness. And so they do have a certain usefulness in my life. Vairagya does not mean that I look upon the world as useless, that I have nothing to do with that. I am very much dependent upon them, as far as my physical existence is concerned. But basically, Raga is when I look upon them for my emotional security, emotional happiness. So that there is an interdependence with the world, as far as the physical existence is concerned, is the reality of life. Nobody can avoid. All I can do is to minimize my requirements at the physical level and thus minimize my dependence that I can do. But no one can be totally independent of the world as far as physical existence is concerned. I'm going to require food. I'm going to require water. I'm going to require those basic things. And that's why sannyasis also are permitted to go and take, seek bhiksha, beg bhiksha, because that need is accepted. So we have Annakshetra, Nrishikesh, Haridwar in many places. Sadhus go there every morning at 10 o'clock with their pot and then stretch their hand. They are given roti and dal. So now I have a piece of cloth in which I take the roti and this pot in which the dal. That's all. So morning roti dal, evening dal roti. This is what you can have. So that's what it is. Of course formerly there was only one viksha. Nowadays there are two because there are some annakshitras we provide viksha in the morning. There are some others which provide viksha in the evening and that way you can satisfy your, you know, needs both the times. <coughs> but this is... And then every, every so often they give you a pair of clothes also, they give you a, a, a piece of soap, you know, they give you a bottle of coconut oil, they give you an umbrella. So devotees are there and they provide, so these are the requirements. You require the oil for your body and keep, you know, in Haridwar or Rishikesh, the skin may get dried, so you require the coconut oil and rain, you require an umbrella, you require a shawl now and then, you require a pair of clothes, shoes, these things are given. It's quite all right. That I need these things, I think is quite understandable. But I need to, somebody to pat on my back, I need somebody to make me feel good about myself, that that need arises from ignorance of myself. And thus looking upon the world and depend, depending upon the world for this is what we call Raga. And this is what, the reason why Vairagya, I think one of the most important values is Vairagya as far as Vedanta is concerned. Vairagya means freedom from this Raga and therefore freedom from Dvesha also. Freedom from Raga and Dvesha is called Vairagya. So Raga has the Ragi, the one who has this Raga is called Ragi. And the one who doesn't, one who is not a ragi is called viragi. And the state of mind of viragi is called vairagya. Means a state of mind which enjoys a dispassion. So, by viveka, vairagya is the product of viveka by discrimination, by understanding the true nature of things. 
the understanding of the nature of the objects of the world. That is, they are objects. And then they are meant to serve a certain purpose, but they cannot serve the purpose which I think they should serve. I look upon them as source of happiness, well, they do not have the capacity to make me happy. They do not have the capacity to give me security. A discovery of this fact, by analyzing the nature of the things. That happiness can come only from a conscious thing, and inner, the objects are all inert. But Swami, that's not right. I do experience happiness whenever I experience, you know, desirable objects, I do experience happiness. And we have done this analysis a number of times, that when there is an experience of happiness, I, I think that the happiness comes from that sense object, but in fact it comes from my own self. If it is in my own self, how come I don't experience it all the time? It's in my own self, all right. But then it is veiled or it is covered by this cloud of likes and dislikes, covered by the cloud of ragadvesha. And when a desirable object comes to me, or when I experience a desirable object, then momentarily those ragadvesha or my craving goes away. My mind becomes free from the craving momentarily, and thus I enjoy the freedom. It is that mind that reflects the happiness of the self, and thus when I am enjoying happiness, in fact, I am enjoying my own self. What the external object does is to bring it, bring me to myself. That's all it does. <coughs> so, an understanding, examining our experience of happiness and recognizing that happiness has to come from my own self and that nothing else can provide me happiness, that security has to be discovered from myself and that nothing can make me, that give me that security, a recognition of this fact. And therefore, an objective perception then of the things and beings is called vairagya. <coughs> vairagya or dispassion doesn't mean I hate things. It is not hatred towards the object, it is not aversion for the objects, it is not turning away from the objects, it is not looking at not looking at them. It is not just make keeping a distance. Because I can keep it, I can create a distance with the objects of pleasure, but then still the the rasa or the taste of them may still be in my mind, in which case my mind will run after them. Like Swami gives the example of a little boy who likes to play all the time, you know, play with marbles all the time. And the examination time comes and mother says, no more marbles, stay home. This is last month, you have to study for the examination. And so the poor boy is now deprived of playing with the marbles. And so he has renounced his marbles. That's okay. But then, in his mind he knows, his friends are playing outside there, he looks at them from the window and all he wants to do is to go and play with them. So even when the distance is created with the object, in the mind they are still with me and therefore, that is not really a distance, not really vairagya, because they still live that desire. Boy, for him the marbles are his property. Every night he has a big dabba and he fills up that, fills them up the marble. At night, you know, he shakes and from the sound he knows whether he made, he won some marbles today or he lost some of them. Or he will count every now and then and 162 marbles and whatever and feels very proud of his property. And when the younger sister comes and, my brother, will you please give a few marbles? No, this is mine. He will not part with them. And so, he is what we call, if he loses some marbles and he really feels very sad. He wins some marbles and he feels very happy and proud. So this relationship with the marble the child is, has is what we call raga, the object in presence of which I feel happy. 
in absence of which I feel unhappy. This is raga. The opposite is dvesh, of course. In presence of which I am unhappy. In the absence of which I am happy. That is dvesh. But when the same boy grows up, he is now 30 years old, man, young man, and he is now an 8 year old son, who is himself playing with marbles. And now he says, Dad, will you play marbles with me? Yes, my son. And dad also uses his old skills, you know, and plays with his son. And now suppose he loses 10 marbles. It's okay. He wins 12 marbles. It's okay. Because the marbles have no more fascination. Now he has fascination for something else, of course. But then, marbles is no more fascination for him. He's called a marble sannyasi. This is, so, this is called vairagya. Now the attitude that this grown-up person has with reference to marbles is called vairagya. If they are there, it is fine. They are not there, then also it is fine. He doesn't hate them. He doesn't avoid them. He's comfortable with them. Having developed comfort with marbles that he plays with them and he can enjoy them. Understand that Vairagya does not mean not enjoying things. In fact, Vairagya helps us to enjoy the life properly. When I evaluate and judge the things for what they are, then the comfort that is developed with them enables me to enjoy them for what they are. Because the Ishwara Sushti, this world is Ishwara Sushti meaning the creation of the Lord, which is which has its own harmony and beauty. But then there is a Jiva Sushti. Jiva Sushti means the creation of the individual. And thus we superimpose our attachment and aversions, these ragadveshas upon the objects, and therefore vairagya means freedom, essential freedom from the jiva srishti, meaning that essential freedom from the superimposition upon the object. Then alone I can see the world of the objects as they are. Then alone I become objective. Then I can analyze them properly and understand the mithyapam. But this is mithya upon mithya. The world is mithya upon that again I further superimposition. And therefore, Vairagya is so important in the, in the pursuit of knowledge. Only when the mind enjoys Vairagya, then alone mind will be with itself. Otherwise, these Ragadveshas will keep on dragging the mind away from myself, keep on distracting my mind. And so, these attachment and aversions are those which deprive me of a focus or concentration of my mind. And so, the Vairagya, Indriya, Sesha Vairagyam, Vairagya, freedom from Raga and Dvesha with reference to the objects of the senses which comes as a result of analyzing the true nature and also analyzing my own nature from the scriptures that what I am seeking is indeed my own self and that it is to be discovered. It is the praptasya praptahi, attainment of what is already attained, the achievement of what is already achieved. So moksha, liberation, freedom also is not something to be accomplished, is something to be discovered. To also recognize this fact that what I am seeking in my life is not only happiness but unconditional happiness. Happiness which has no bounds, no limitation of time, place and condition. That I am seeking freedom but unconditional freedom is what I am seeking. And there is nothing in the world that can give me unconditional happiness or unconditional freedom. They do give me happiness now and then. Even that is not true, but suppose we accept that the objects do give me some comfort and happiness, a lot of prices to be paid. And that's why Yoga Shastra says, Sarvam Dukkhameva Vivekina. Dukkhameva Sarvam Vivekina. For a Viveki, all what an ordinary person calls happiness is nothing but Dukkham or unhappiness for a discriminating person. So Yoga Shastra analyzes this. 
says, look, every experience of happiness of a sense object brings about dukkham or pain. What dukkham? Parinama dukkham, santapa dukkham, samskara dukkham, bandhana dukkham, parinama dukkham. So every object, every experience of gratification from a sense object, what does it do? It gives me momentary happiness, all right. It goes away. Again, there is a separation from that, meaning that everything is a capacity to give me happiness for a little while, for some time. Nothing can give me a steady or lasting happiness. Either because my mind changes its fancy, because mind wants variety and mind also changes fancy very quickly, or the object also changes, and my mind mood also changes, and that being the case, I find that every experience of happiness is always limited. And it in fact increases my craving rather than satisfying the craving. So this is Parinama. That every experience of happiness coming from a sense object results into a trishna or the craving. The craving keeps on growing. As Bharatu Hari says, so trishnana jirna vayameva jirnaha. Our craving has not become old. We have become old and exhausted, but my craving becomes stronger and stronger. And so for a, for a non-thinking person, of course, for a non-thinking person who doesn't think, and therefore always chase his happiness from the objects, he finds himself craving more and more. <clears throat> so this is what every experience does. Also it leaves samskara. Samskara of raga and dvesha. If the experience was pleasurable, then it gives raga. And if there is some obstacle to that experience, it creates dvesha. And therefore, for the objects of pleasure, raga. For all those which threaten that pleasure, dvesha. And thus every experience also creates raga and dvesha. That's our samskara. And again, for every experience of pleasure, I have to pay the price. Nothing comes free. Nothing in the world comes free. And therefore, the exertion that is required in acquiring something. That is dukkha. That's also pain. And again the pain that comes when separation is there. Just now I was reading one article of an Indian mother. So now the Indian mothers, many Indian mothers have become those who have their progeny abroad, you know. And so he says, well, once a year that occasion comes when my son is visiting or my progeny, son or daughter visiting son usually, you know, once for two or three weeks in a year and then, oh, we look forward to that. For two, three months my mind is building up, now my son is coming, my son is coming, my son is coming and all preparations are done. Oh, we go to the airport and then see the son climbing down from the aeroplane and, you know, my heart starts throbbing and then he comes out and then I hug him and it's all wonderful. In two weeks then he departs. Then there is a tremendous depression. And so when departure is there, there is pain. For getting him here it's not easy to get the sons to India also, you know, because they don't want to go. You keep on writing them, writing them, once in six years and they come. And so, so pain in acquiring, pain when there is separation. And even when that fellow is there, I know he's going to go away in two weeks. So that's all, you come for two weeks. So apprehension that there is going to be a separation. And I find that my son has changed now. He's no more what I thought he was. I thought that he used to like some of those things and I prepared them, you know. He said, no, I don't care. He doesn't want this Indian food, you know, anymore. 
and i had his bedroom all ready and said what is this curtain he doesn't want this he doesn't want that so he has changed completely so even when he is there also and then in two weeks also he wants to go to bombay and he wants to go to kashmir and he wants to go and he is only home for three days and though even when it is there it is pain so pain in acquiring pain in separation pain even while you are enjoying it so this is called the santapa dukha pain all along and further what happens is these ragadveshas they create further desires they make me perform actions these actions bring about results that's how the karma and the karma phala and the results ultimately cause me to take another birth and that's how this keeps on perpetuating the cycle of birth and death so bandhan dukham that means it perpetuates my bondage that's how yoga shastra analyzes the nature of the happiness coming from sense objects that being the case dukhameva sarvam vivekinaha for a viveki or for a discriminating or discerning person this pleasure coming from sense objects is nothing but dukha and so forth we don't want to go on with this but the idea is that this is how thinking about the reflecting or thinking about or discerning the true nature of the objects and reminding my mind that look as we said it is praptasya praptihi attainment of what is already attained and what i am seeking is, is cannot be provided by anything they are there the objects have been made for a certain purpose and i can use them for that purpose but then it is not that they can give me this moksha that i am seeking or the lasting happiness which i am seeking then they cannot give me that i have discovered from my own self and thus the priorities become also very clear my my relationship also becomes what you call a healthy relationships so vairagya meaning a healthy relationship with the objects of the world not an aversion not some kind of a hatred or indifference or whatever there are some people say swami now i don't like anything you know after listening to vedanta listen to your lectures you know i am not interested in anything then you not heard the lectures properly you know that is not the point at all not that i lose interest in life you know it doesn't mean that I, my enthusiasm of living goes away but swami now you have proven that there is no happiness there then what's the use what's the use of my working hard what's the use of wealth and prosperity doesn't matter you work hard get the prosperity and give it to somebody you know the needy person that's still use you don't have to consume it all the time you can always make it available to those who need so use the energy that god has given you in in creative ways and make it available to him and so vedanta thus provides a different kind of motivation you know for uh, for our life and motivation not by you know arising from simply seeking pleasures from the objects of the world but then so as far as vedanta is concerned the world is not a place to extract happiness or to exploit world is a place of worship swakarmana tamabhyarcha siddhim vinnati manavah perform your actions in the spirit of worship so nature is mother to be worshiped the world is to be worshiped and not it is not a bhogya vishaya it is not something to be you know i look upon that as an object of enjoyment look upon that as an object of worship this turning around and changing the perception is called vairagya so indriya sesha vairagya naturally this is one of the most important values and one of the most important qualification for a sanyasi is vairagya so uh, when one takes sanyasa or you know the life of renunciate well this vairagya should be there otherwise if there still the ragas meaning still various fascinations are there 
Sannyasa means that you have given up all the means of sense gratification, basically. One means remains the food, that's all, but other than that, in, of course, in Rishikesh, formerly even that was not there because all you get is, is as I said, roti, dal, dal roti. And that dal also is mainly water. And you have to actually fish out some grains of dal. And roti also is not easy to chew even, let alone digest. So to soak it in dal for about one or two hours, then it becomes, you know. That's the reason why there is only one part. Roti, dal, whatever it is, you know. So by soaking that, you can chew it and hopefully digest it. Or you have to bring it to your place and then boil it and do something. <coughs> no scope for uh, any you, gratification. To such an extent that there are some sadhus, you know, who would get this viksha. And then in a cloth and soak it in the Ganges water. So that all the taste goes away, you know. So that you might get used to the taste and you might become dependent upon that. Therefore, eat the food which is bland. It's also there. Anyway, we are not suggesting any of these things. The idea is that people do that in order that we don't have to function out of fear. There's no need to be afraid of things. All that is required is to be alert and vigilant and keep observing our mind and the tendencies and see how it functions. But as we said, developing a comfort with the world, developing a healthy relationship with the world, not a relationship of dependence, but a relationship of freedom. This is called vairagyam. Vairagya actually gives me freedom. <coughs> Indriyarthesha Vairagyam Anahankara Evacha Anahankara Absence of pride Not too different from Amanitvam, you know. So, Amanitvam also was absence of conceit. Yeah, anahankara, Ahankara Amanitvam means too much looking upon, your, I mean, you know, too much praising yourself, bragging about yourself and demanding respect is how Manitva was explained. Ahankara means sense of ego. Technically, Ahankara means the sense of I notion, the sense of individuality that arises on account of identification with my body-mind complex. The identification of the body sense organs, mind, intellect, this complex of personality is there, this aggregate is there. And identification with that is, it is what creates what we call the notion of individuality, the I-notion. It is that I-notion that is called Ahankara. And technically that I-notion can only go in the wake of the knowledge, really. That I am Brahman, that I am Chidananda that I am the witness, I am not the body-mind complex. It is that knowledge alone that will ultimately eliminate the sense of I notion. But when Lord Krishna presents here Arahankara, I mean absence of Ahankara as a value, then we can say the I notion that is there which creates in me various complexes. The identification of the body, mind, intellect creates in me different complexes. And so, ahankara means complexes, the doership, the enjoyership, I am something, I did it, you know. And so the sense of doership that I have, and therefore I look upon myself as the one who has done something. And therefore when my endeavor becomes successful then, I take the credit for success. And when the endeavor does not succeed, then I blame myself for the failure. So, ahankara brings about either self-congratulation or it brings about self-condemnation. So when Lord Krishna says anahankara hai, 
एबसेंस ऑफ अहंकार और एबसेंस ऑफ ईगो इट मीन्स दैट फ्रीडम फ्रॉम दीज टेंडेंसी आई दू कंग्रेचुलेट माई सेल्फ और कंडेम माई सेल्फ दैट्स ऑल वी कैन से फ्रीडम फ्रॉम दिस कॉम्प्लेक्स अल्टीमेटली बिकॉज आइडेंटिफिकेशन ऑफ द बॉडी क्रिएट्स अ कॉम्प्लेक्स आई एम मैन वुमन थॉल शॉर्ट एक्सेट्रा आइडेंटिफिकेशन ऑफ माइंड क्रिएट्स कॉम्प्लेक्स आई एम हैप्पी एंड हैप्पी आइडेंटिफिकेशन ऑफ इंटेलेक्ट ऑल्सो क्रिएट्स कॉम्प्लेक्स एम सक्सेस फेलियर यू नो वट एवर सो दीज आर ऑल द वेरियस कॉम्प्लेक्सेज आर आइज ऑन अकाउंट ऑफ आइडेंटिफाइंग विद उपाधि एंड देफर आई ब्रांड माई सेल्फ एज अ डूअर ऑफ वॉट एवर इज दैट आई and from that primarily arises the question the complex of successful or failure i congratulate myself or i condemn myself see it's the nature of human being always to compare himself with others i have a sense of individuality and therefore i feel a sense of separation from everybody else and i look upon others also as separate from me and my mind keeps on comparing god has given me a self consciousness i'm conscious of myself as well as conscious of the world around me and i look at the world around me and always i compare myself again we may remind you that this is a problem of only of human being this kind of comparison doesn't seem to be there with animals as swami always likes to point out that a cow never feels that i am an ugly cow a cow with a shapely horn and the cow with a crooked horn the cow with crooked horn doesn't feel that i am in any way inferior to a cow having shapely horns or there is one cow that gives 10 liters of milk there is another cow poor thing gives only 1 liter of milk do you think that this cow giving 1 liter of milk feels inferior to the other one giving 10 liters of milk i don't think so so this sense of inferiority superiority all of these seems to absent elsewhere so that sounds very good how about becoming a cow <laughs> no it's not that you want to go down on the ladder of evolution what it means is that they are not uh, developed the sensitivity to feel superior and inferior not that they are not and that they are not limited but they have not yet developed the sensitivity to feel limited whereas human being has developed that sensitivity therefore i am very keenly aware of my sense of limitation and i look out the world i find some people more accomplished than me and i have a sense of inferiority i see some other people having being not as good as me the superior sense of superiority all this is what is called ahankara this sense of inferiority also is ahankara and of course superiority is ahankara lord krishna says anahankara try to become free from this try to become sense of superiority or inferiority remember that everybody has been provided with a personality that is unique in itself everybody is different and everybody is unique also what somebody has i do not have what i have Somebody does not have. There is no need to myself or myself to compare myself with others. I can take myself as I am and be happy with myself. As I've been saying, I have a commitment to cultivate my strength given to me as much as possible. But regardless of how much I cultivate my strength of knowledge, ichcha shakti, the the power of knowledge and power of desire and power of activity, how much ever I cultivate, still it is going to be limited. and therefore regardless of what i do with my personality i can never become free from a sense of limitation even if i become superior to somebody else i am going to be inferior to somebody else anyway and therefore this game this ahankara always keeps me extrovert and always 
distracts my attention from where the attention should be paid. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, Anahankara, freedom from this ahankara. We discussed this also in case of Manitvam, Manitvam. And we can again bring up that let us just simply address ourselves to this conclusion on my part that I am a success or I am a failure or congratulating myself or condemning myself. One can get over this why when we look at the realities of life that who is a real doer? That everything is actually done by Ishvara, that I am not doing anything. I am merely a nimitta or instrument in the hand of Ishvara or God and that He alone does everything. This word Lord Krishna showed in Bhagavad Gita in the 11th chapter when he showed this cosmic form and Arjuna seeing the cosmic form was really shuddering with fear and he asked Lord what is it why how how come you you assume such a frightening form what's the reason the Lord Krishna says Kalosmi loka kshayakrit pravridha I am the Kalaha here Arjuna at the moment I have assumed the form of death loka kshayakrit Kalaha I am the death or that is going to bring about kshaya or the destruction of all the beings here. Lokan samaharta miha pravrittaha At the moment I am engaged in, in destroying all the people who are there in both armies. And therefore, Arjuna, whether you are there or not, nobody from these two armies is going to survive. Lokan samaharta miha pravrittaha And therefore, I am the Karta, I am the one who is actually Maya Vaita and Hita Purameva. All of these people are already killed by me. Tasmat Pamuttishta Yashola Bhaswa. So Rupe Rute Bitwan Bhavishandi Sarve, Yevastitaha Pratanikeshu Yudaha. Here Juna, whether you are there or not, none of these persons, none of these warriors standing in these armies is going to survive. Arjuna thinks that I am the one who is going to do this. He says, whether you are there or not. This is already destined and this is going to happen. I have already done it. But I see them all alive. You see them alive. In fact, I have all, they are already dead. That's the reason why Arjuna saw before this, all these people entering the jaws of death. All of these are already destroyed by me. Then what am I required to do? You just, you just kill the people who are already killed. Why should I do that? Yashola So that you can gain the glory. All of this is only to glorify you. The, the history will say that Arjuna conquered the in, unconquerable enemies. And that's how the history will sing your glories. And for that purpose you have been selected. Nimitta matram bhava sachin. He sachin. He Arjuna become nimitta. Become recognize that you are an instrument in my hand. I am the one who does everything. That's how yogis always see. Yogis recognize that everything is done by Ishwara, that we are merely the instruments in the hands of the Lord. If success comes, that belongs to Him. If failure comes, that also belongs to Him. Buddhir Buddhipatamasmi, He is the intelligence of the intelligent, He is the brilliance of the brilliant, He is the strength of the strong, and therefore I don't have ownership about anything. I cannot be the creator, I am not the creator of my body, not the creator of my mind, not creator of anything. All of this is given to me and all I am doing is just put them to use. 
and for that also the opportunity is created by him and even the inspiration for doing that also is given by him and also the strength and capacity also is given by him so recognition of this reality of life even if I that I am akarta that I am a non-doer will come only by knowledge of self but even when I look at the reality of the physical world I recognize that at the most I am an instrument in the hands of Lord just like a musician playing upon his instrument like sitar or guitar or whatever and if people clap then it's a musician that gets the credit if they throw eggs at him he alone gets that you know the instrument has nothing to do with that it is it has surrendered itself in the hands of the musician so recognizing this fact this is what Lord Krishna says to the extent that we think in this manner to that extent we can become free from the ideas of inferiority superiority from the ideas of blaming myself or congratulating myself they are big complexes self-congratulating and feeling proud or self-condemning and feeling useless so this is called ahankara and this is a big obstacle in knowledge a big obstacle even in for concentrating my mind a big obstacle also in listening and assimilating this teaching so anahankara Lord Krishna says freedom from ahankara of this type by proper thinking in this way <coughs> Janma Mrittu Jaravyadi Dukkha Doshanudarshanam And seeing clearly the defect of pain in birth, death, old age and disease. It's interesting, old-fashioned way, you know, of prescribing values. Lord Krishna says, Anudarshanam. Darshanam, Anudarshanam. Darshanam, seeing. Anudarshanam, seeing again and again. Reflecting again and again upon certain realities of life. What's the reality of life? Pain or misery is a reality of life. That's what Lord Krishna points out. That generally speaking, the human life is full of pain and misery. Anudarshanam, may you pay attention to this. People don't pay attention to the realities. They always, they always revel in some imaginary condition. You know the famous story of this man who was once chased by a tiger in a forest. And this man started running. He was being chased by a tiger who started running for his life. He had no, he didn't know what to do. He saw a well, he just jumped into the well. Except well was very deep and it was empty without water. And he just jumped for his life. If he had fallen, he would have died. But fortunately, in the midway, he happened to see, he happened to grab some roots of the trees which were growing above the, above the well. Some roots were all down and roots were projecting out from the walls of the well he happened to grab them and that's how he was saved he's hanging now in the middle of the well and slowly tiger came along tiger is looking from above waiting for this fellow to come out he can't go up he looks down there are some snakes waiting down there so there is death up and death down can you imagine the condition of this man and still what has happened is there is a tree on this well. On that tree there is a honeycomb made by the honeybees. And from the honeycomb the drops of honey are just, you know, there are drops of honey falling once every minute. That's one, every once a minute the drop of honey falling from that. So this man is, you know, he stretch, extends his mouth, pulls, you know, his tongue, stretches out his tongue to receive the drop of honey.
drop of honey has been received, he's now waiting when another drop of honey comes. And waiting when the third drop of honey comes. Not recognizing that the death is waiting for him there and death is waiting for him up down there. So therefore, man sometimes simply manages to avoid facing the reality of life. And I think seeks comfort in avoiding these realities and distracting his mind with something. And that's how the whole life passes, not recognizing and facing and dealing or confronting the reality of life. So Lord Krishna says, confronting the reality of life. So Anudarshanam, reflecting again and again over the misery or the pain that comes from Janma, Mrityu, Jara, Vyadhi. Janma means birth. There is pain involved in birth. Garvayoni, Garvasayoni, Dwara, Nisaranam, Dosha. There is pain involved, misery involved in, re- in being in the womb of the mother. Because we don't know that. But that's how it is described. The, that place is quite miserable. Being in the womb of the mother, quite a miserable place. All there is, all this is, you know. And so, anyway, in the midst of all that filth, that is where I am living. And so, in one, at one point, Shankarajara says to the Lord, when I was in the womb of the, my, my mother, that was the time that to remember you. I had nothing else to do. But I could not remember you at that time. Because then, if that was such a terrible place. I was being baked all the time by the stomach fire of my mother. In the midst, in that, in that filth I was there. And therefore, I was so uncomfortable and so unhappy that I could not think of you. And being projected out now I was born, maybe then I was a child, I should have time at that time to remember you, but no. When I was a child, all kinds of diseases kept on coming. Now there is uh, fever and then there is cough and then there is this and all kinds of diseases kept on coming. And all kinds of, you know, the insects that you created a lot, mosquitoes and stuff like that, that kept on biting me all the time and therefore, and if you know, nothing else, all was hungry and thirsty. And therefore, the child also went in a lot of pain. And therefore, I did not get the opportunity to remember you. Please, chantavyo me parada. Please forgive me. Please pardon me or forgive me for this kind of, you know, for this omission or com- you know, commission, omission. Only what happened to you when you became young? Then you should have remembered it. That is true. But when I became youthful, then something happened within me. And then all these objects of the world started attracting me. Then these fivefold objects, Shabda, Sparsha, Rupa, Rasaganda, they are like the snakes, you know, like the poisonous snakes. And thus these objects would come through the sense organs through my mind, all the time strike my heart, like a poisonous snake striking my vital, vital part. That's how when the poisonous snake strikes you or bites me, then I lose my senses. senses. And so also all these fascination, attractive attractions came from the sense like objects. And thus I lost my senses when I was a young man. All I could think of was woman and my wealth and my child and my objects of pleasure. That's all I could think of. At that time, I had no leisure to think of you. Shaivi chintavihinam rudemamamaho managarvadhivudam That time I was arrogant and proud. I couldn't think of you. All right, now you become old. Then at least you can think of me. Yes, I like to think of you, but my mind is not with me anymore. Now my mind is not with me. All kinds of insecurities are there. You know, my son does not write to me. My daughter-in-law doesn't seem to care for me. And so what will happen to me tomorrow? Now I'm getting old. I'm become dependent. 
Now I am no more that smart, no more that intelligent, no more sharp. And since I become physically weak also, then there is always this contempt, you know, I lost my vigor and always subject to disrespect by the people. And therefore, even in the old age also, I cannot remember you. The idea is that there is dukkha, dukkha. This is one way of looking at life. Understand? Not that all the time you think this is not to to uh, lose our enthusiasm for living. That's not the point. So that's a negative way of thinking. Will you not lose our vigor and enthusiasm of living? No. That's the reality of life. Prepare for this. What does this do to me? Shankarajar explains here. Evam janmadishu dukkha doshanudashanat. Thus, you know, there are dukkha, the pain coming from the physical, you know, adhyatmaka at the individual level, adhyodhika at the elemental level, adhyadevika from the cosmic level, the pain comes from all the three levels, and thinking about it, reflecting upon that. Vairagyana is, I don't want to be born again, I don't want to go through this again, I want to be free from this birth, this cycle of birth and death. And thus, a value for freedom arises. When I recognize that life is full of pain, that's how the life has been made. Life is painful. And I guess the pain is given to us so that we grow. Pain seems to be the vehicle of growth. And that's how life is. Everybody thinks that my life is painful. Everybody else is happy. It's only when you discover what other people are, then you find everything is, you know, everybody has to go through their own things. So when you reflect upon that, then in at least we don't waste our time. Use your time wisely. Anityam asukham logam imam prapya bhajaswamam. Lord Krishna says bhajaswamam. You worship me? Stop worshipping all these things that are insignificant things that are not really going to help you, not going to come with you. That cannot help you in the pursuit of the, the goal that you are pursuing in your life. Bhajaswamam, you worship me. You worship me, worshipping me is a means of attaining the goal that you are seeking. Anityam asukham lokam. Understand the human birth that you have got is a very precious, very precious equipment. That's the only equipment, that's the only upadhi here, embodiment where this pursuit of knowledge and moksha is possible. And therefore, use it to the best possible way. Anityam. I will do it later on. Anityam, you never know when it will come to an end. Anityam is impermanent. It is impermanent, therefore don't take it for granted. Don't take the time also for granted. As Shankaraja says elsewhere, Nalini dalakata jalamati tarulam tadva jivitam atishaya chakalam. The human life is compared to a drop on the lotus petal. So lotus petal, the water does not touch that. And so how unsteady is a drop of water on a lotus petal? At any time, a little breeze comes and this drop will fall down. Similarly also, so uncertain is this life. And therefore, just don't take it for granted that I will do it later on. Anityam. That's all right. But I don't need moksha. Bhagavan, I know I can get my happiness from the world. I don't need moksha. Asukham. There is no happiness out there. Recognize that. Anityam. Asukham lokam. And therefore, don't waste your time in seeking happiness from these things which do not have the happiness. And do not wait for a future time to do this. Do it now. This is how Lord Krishna says. This is what Lord Krishna means here also. That reflecting again and again. The pain and the misery involved at different stages of life is not for fear, not for creating fear. 
Swamiji, after you said that, now I'm really afraid of death. There's so much pain involved in death, so much pain in old age, so much pain in birth, so much pain in disease. It's okay. If Prarabdha has to bring it, it will come. But recognize that basically life is full of pain. And therefore, there's no point in continuing again and again. No point in being born with another embodiment because that also will be full of pain. Therefore, if you want to become free, then become free from the cycle of birth and death. How do you do that? By recognizing your true nature, by pursuit of knowledge. And so, in a way, this kind of reflection upon the pain involved in the life at every stage helps us at least to become free from that false fascination that we have. The blind fascination or blind attachment that we have for things, we can become free from that. While you are in a human, human embodiment, if you gain this knowledge, then Satyamasti, then life is worthwhile, life is serving purpose. While being in the human life, if you depart from here without fulfilling this agenda, then there is a great loss. And so recognizing that the human embodiment is primarily meant for liberation. That's the moksha, is really the real purusharth. And therefore, do not waste your time with asakama. Do not waste your time in the pursuits that do not help you in achieving your ultimate goal. That's what is meant here in this value of reflecting again and again the pain or misery that is involved at different stages of life. Janma, mrityu, jara, vyadi. Janma means birth. There is a pain involved in birth. Mrityu, pain involved in death. Jara, old age, pain involved in old age. Vyadi, disease, pain involved in disease. And many other things, of course. So, reflecting upon that, so that there arises vairagya, my mind becomes an introvert, and then it becomes fit for pursuing this knowledge. And that's the reason why, otherwise you will say, what does, what relevance does it have with knowledge? But by creating vairagya, and by making my sense organ and mind turn towards the self. That's how this also becomes a value for knowledge. That's why Lord Krishna includes this among the other values also. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutau Vande Bhagavanta Upanapunaha Ishvaro Gururatmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaham Om Shantishantishantihi Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo